You are listening to a message from the Living Word community in Center City, Philadelphia. We are followers of Jesus Christ, called to love God and love people, to share Jesus and help people experience true life change that can only come from knowing Him. We hope that you enjoy this message today. It is a joy to be here. Amen. And new faces, that's always good. I want to uh, say blessings and honor to all of you for serving the Lord, for coming out during all of the COVID issues and no doubt family situations that you have. This church, way back in the day, in about August of 63, laid hands on me and I started out to Peru. And from that, I believe, came definite anointing. I knew the call of God. There I met a young lady by the name of Carlene from Detroit. She'd been in Peru two years. We quickly realized, being the same age, the same doctrine, the same purpose, called the same place, we needed to get married and serve God together. And that's promptly what we did. And uh, she has been a joy in so many, many ways. So that means that uh, 58 years since we've been serving the Lord all over the world. I just came from, if I'm a little bit fuzzy this morning, I just came from Pakistan and Sri Lanka. And uh, whenever you're halfway around the world, you're getting used to time change, beds, different things. And then ministry was constant. The first time in many, many, I think, decades that I've gone alone because others that said they wanted to go at the last minute didn't go. And so uh, it was a good thing that I was met at the airport by the leaders there, and they took good care of me, but kept me busy morning, noon, and night. So keep praying for this 80-year-old guy that I can continue to do all of that. Um, I believe what the Lord is doing today has implications for this church and this is going to be maybe a very different type of Sunday morning for you because I want to do what they did in the scripture. When they came back from a trip, they gave an account of what happened. Some of you have prayed for the peppers. You know, when you pick up the pepper shaker, if you drink Dr. Pepper, pray for the peppers. And I'm sure the, the brothers here remind you what we're doing and how to pray and I guess you'd have to be in some of these scenarios to know what that means, the importance of that, the value of that, okay? The sustaining, the protecting power of God and then the anointing. So I want to give an account and, uh, you know, also I need to tell you that about three years ago, Seema Freer went along on one of the teams we had uh, several men on that team, several ladies, and she was a blessing A to Z beginning to end. So whenever she tells you that God has called her to go on a short-term trip, release her, pray for her, and bless her in that. She was a great blessing. Um, and I'm looking forward, very likely we will be in Peru together at the same time. However, you never know with the world events the way they are, governments, COVID, everything else going on, but that will be neat. What we're doing, uh, hopefully, in January, my wife has had a burden for the women of Peru in particular, and she's been diligently working on material that she knows is going to bless them in teachings. And she's got a lot of it done, working on it right now at home in Alaska. Uh, she's excellent in the language, far better than I am, and uh, it's all being proofread, then it will be printed, and we have raised money for 2,000 copies of this, so when the women come to the meeting, they're going to be saying, well, in my church or in my district, I really need 40 copies, I need 100 copies, so this is why we're, we're doing that, that will take place if all goes well, in January. I'll be meeting with the apostolic leaders. There's 16 of them. 
Some of you don't realize perhaps that when we started on the Tapichi River, no missionary, no Bible, no preacher, no churches, nothing, zero, they didn't know anything. And so that's how we started with the Kapanawa group of, of people. It was slow, it was difficult there, but the Lord did give us some souls and we established a few churches on that river. And then great blessing on the Nanai River and within Iquitos, there the people were more open to the gospel and we had tremendous results in those regions. So right now we have 16 apostolic couples and I say couples, it's totally important that it be a couple because there's great need and opportunity to minister to the women and many times culturally speaking and otherwise it's good for women to pray with women and be a part of a good team and I think when the Lord sent them out two by two uh, in the future that was his plan that we go as couples as much as possible uh, sometimes then you can have other singles along on the team that's excellent as well and so what happened well, the work grew. When we left, there was only 37 churches and, and outstations and a Bible school and a radio program. Now, my goodness, hundreds of churches, two Bible schools, thinking about a third one, and then radio, TV, well drilling, medical teams, youth teams, Bible distribution, everything else. We're now in five countries. My call was to the north jungle of Peru, but you know, when people get saved, you cannot hold them back they're going to testify. They're going to share Jesus with the relative. Then they move because of a job or some other reason. And next thing you know, we're into five countries. We started in Peru and now Ecuador, Colombia, Brazil, and of all things, Paraguay. Why did that happen? That's, you know, the other countries touch Peru. I can understand it, but Paraguay. So it's amazing how the word of the Lord is spreading. Our fellowship is called Mission Evangelica Independiente Pentecostal MEPI, and uh, that's the acronym, but uh, it's amazing. Pray for that work that God will continue to bless it. But I want to share with you this trip, what has happened, and I think the elders in the church and their wives particularly should be praying, considering what is God up to today for this church for Philadelphia, this is the city I was born in. In fact, five years ago when I was here, in August I preached here on my birthday, 75, in the city I was born in. So I love Philadelphia, and I know there's great spiritual need. So what is God up to? What's going on? Now, there's a lot more here than 30, 40 people this morning. That's great, but there's still a whole pile of empty seats. And then all of your extended ministry out there, what is God up to? How are you a part of the purpose and the plan of the Lord? Remember, one of these days we all stand before the Lord and we're going to give account of our time. We're going to give account also of our hmm, talents, gifts, anointing, finance. So I trust that each of you will take it serious. You know, when you're 80, you know, you may not have 20 years left. <laughs> and so, and maybe it's easier for me than some of you that are much younger, but we will stand before the Lord someday. And I want you to seriously ask the question, what is God up to in my life? And then in this church, what goes on here? And then the extended work out of here. So uh, I began in Karachi, Pakistan. Although I've been to Pakistan before in other areas, this was the first time with Apostle Abbas. His name is spelled A-B-B-A-S. And he is now the leader and respected in his region. They were anticipating 550 to show up. Over 700 came. <laughs> and uh, the Lord led me to do several illustrated messages. I had no idea how important that was for that group. I illustrated one with the red carpet principle, rolling out the red carpet for the Lord, honoring him. Another one, Luke 6:38, a giving message. 
And that really touched hearts. I mean, we had tremendous time at the altar. People that had been so beaten down with the whole COVID thing and just everything else that's going on in that country, about 2% truly know the Lord. And it is a large Muslim nation. And so, wow, 98% opportunity for Christ. And so those meetings were really blessed in that. And I know that you were praying as well. There was also a time with uh, Apostle Abbas and his family. And the Lord just led me to say to him, the Lord is first in your time and relationship. Second, family, third, ministry. And he said, yeah, he said, boy, I've, I've got that wrong because I have put so much time into the ministry because of the need right there in front of him, people coming. And so it's easy for any of us to make that mistake and become so involved in whatever God has set our hand to do that the family then Maybe our mate, the children, maybe other extended family members are not receiving what they need from us. So the Lord, your relationship with him is first, then family, then ministry, then everything else after that. And so that really was a blessing to him. And his wife was saying, yes, 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 yes. And uh, I think some of the wives would say the same. We have to be careful of that. And of course, then there is the secular work. If many of you are not full-time in ministry, you have a secular job. So we're not saying that the Lord being first, that he requires 50 hours a week of you studying and praying and waiting on him. That would be kind of difficult with family, with whatever your ministry might be, but the priority he is first. And it's better for you to find a time and place where you can seek him in quiet and really receive well from him. So that was one of the areas. Then we talked about finance. And again, Pastor and Apostle Abbas was very alert to that need. And he was wanting to know, well, how do you really do this in ministry when the needs before you are so massive? I mean, if you had a million dollars, probably within a month, you could distribute that very, very well. So it is amazing that uh, we were able to help him in that, give him some wisdom and direction with the financial areas. And then, uh, unbeknown to me, there was a very well-known preacher and apostle in the meetings listening and apparently he was blessed with the different messages and how the Lord was moving. So he spoke to Abbas and said, I want to take Brother Pepper to lunch and talk with him. And Abbas said to me, this man is famous. Everybody wants to talk with him. I don't know when he ever has said he's taken somebody to lunch. So, okay, we go. And he said, Brother, your messages touched my heart. You shared things that this country needs. Please, would you consider when you return to Pakistan, not only being here in the southern part in Karachi, but come with me to Lahore and Islamabad, and I will set up meetings there for the leaders, and you can share what you've been sharing here and more of what God has laid on your heart. So once again, 80 years old. See, I'm, I'm not Reinhard Bunke. I'm not Franklin Graham. I'm just Bill Pepper. And yet, these opportunities keep expanding. God keeps moving in, in a powerful way. We had altar times where uh, in some services, two hours at the altar, people crying out to God and, and the Lord meeting their needs in some way. Often, because of the language barrier and the lack of enough interpreters, I always call them my interrupters. But you need that. I mean, somebody says, why don't you learn the language? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> I've been in 53 countries. There's no way. So you need anointed, humble, great interpreters, and I thank God for them. Would you pray and find out for you what God is up to? I know what he's up to in my life because, boy, front and center, it's right there. 
But what I'm saying is there seems to be, and with me, this began in February of this year. There has been a much greater hunger in many of the churches in the U.S. that I preached in overseas then greater anointing as I ministered, then greater response from the people, and greater results from all of that. Wow. And in some churches, even a significant increase in giving. And so I'm looking at this now. Occasionally that may happen in one church or in a few but to see this happening again and again and again, and then overseas. Some time ago, I was ministering in a spirit-filled Mennonite church in North Indiana, Middlebury to be exact. Great, powerful meeting there. And they had started a work many years ago before they were spirit-filled in Ghana, West Africa. And they said, well, we then, when we were filled with the Spirit, we took that truth to them, and many of them were filled with the Spirit. But they need teaching on the gifts. They need teaching how this should operate in the local church. Please, brother, you've got to come. Please, they were begging me. And so that is online, if everything goes well, for April of this coming year. Hmm. After India, and I'll be going back to the same area where Sema was in Guntur, only this time it could be that we're going to join two different groups, local churches of India, three, 350 in their group, and then another group that has at least 400 more churches. I don't know how we're going to find a place big enough for all of that because we love to have both the pastors and the wives come. So one group alone could be six, 700 people, but then if you add two, it could be 1,200. That takes a lot of money. But the Lord is beginning to bless in astounding ways financially. You see, in some of these places, the people that live in the city can get there easily, but the poor, smaller church situations, pastors that live far out, they need to be cared for when they come with food and a place for them to sleep. So just keep praying that God will do everything he's been doing that we can minister effectively to all of that. And so uh, on this particular trip after Pakistan and them begging me to come back, so now tentatively we're thinking probably October of next year doing meetings in three different cities, Karachi, Lahore, and Islamabad and we'll set those dates a little bit later. From there, I went to Sri Lanka, and that is a work I've known for many years. My very anointed and gifted teacher, Walter Butler, who once spoke in this church a long time ago, he's been with the Lord a number of years now. He was in Asia, we were back in the States, we would come home after being in Peru three years, we'd come back, visit churches, be with family, pack materials up, and put teams together for Peru. So I was home when his wife Elizabeth called and said, Brother Pepper, uh, my husband's had a heart attack. He's in Asia, he cannot go to Sri Lanka. He wants you to replace him. Whoa. <laughs> and I'll use the same analogy again. That would be like Mrs. Franklin Graham calling Mr. Lewis, would you please replace? <laughs> he can't do it. What? Somehow I quickly said yes, and then after we hung up, I said, what have I said yes to? And it was interesting. When I got off the airplane, they could not hide their disappointment. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't. I mean, they're expecting this great man of God, this tremendous teacher who really had the anointing and teaching in a phenomenal way. And then Bill Pepper gets off the airplane. Who is this? Well, it was a very interesting time because they had just purchased in Colombo, the capital of Sri Lanka, that's the little teardrop country right below India. It used to be called Ceylon, then they changed the name to Sri Lanka. So, interesting, 
They had just purchased the old Israeli embassy and turned it into their church. Uh, they had about 100 people. Colton Wick Ramaratna was the pastor. And uh, my task was to minister all day long in the, in the morning and afternoon to the leaders and then at night do evangelism. Okay. Well, one week turned into two. God moved powerfully in that. What a privilege for me to be a part in the initial surge of that church plant. And since then, I've been back many, many times. Usually about every two to three years, I go back, minister to their leaders, spend time with the families that I know. And that's what I was going to in Sri Lanka at this time. Um, it was also interesting that uh, Brother Colton, who was a powerful apostle, ultimately built that church up to about 8,000 people from the 100 that they started with. And uh, COVID has changed things in the attendance. What they're having to do now is have very small meetings. Please pray for them because the present leadership of government is uh, strongly advocating Buddhism and not happy with Christians. So they're having some struggles there. Pray for them in that regard. So they gathered together this group that Apostle Colton developed called the Timotheans. Interesting group. He created the concept of this. Those of you that feel the call of God in whatever area, not just preaching, but in any area, I would like to train you, and I'm asking you to give me two years of your life. This will be a combination of teaching, but a lot of training firsthand. It will mean we will go places and take the gospel. It will mean that we will do all kinds of physical work and so forth. And literally, it was like this. You did what Colton said. Now, obviously, if it was against the word of God, no. But anything he asked, yes, sir, you did it. And that's how they really started the numbers of churches they did. I've always loved the Timothean group. And I say, whatever else you want me to do, please give me time with the Timotheans. So they did that. They brought them together. They hadn't been together for over four months because of COVID. And what a joy when they came. They were talking with each other because they hadn't seen one another. Many of them today are pastors, some of them pastors of large churches, some smaller, some are evangelists, some are teachers and youth leaders. And so we had hundreds of them present, and we had a phenomenal meeting and time with them in the Holy Spirit. I mean, God was moving even in the three hours of teaching and then the prayer time with them. Some years ago, Colton knew that I enjoyed the ocean, and after a major meeting that we had together, I don't know if you ever heard this, he decides to take me to a beachside place, and because of the time of the year, and he knew there wouldn't be other people there, we were the only ones there. And so he and I were standing in the ocean. He's a short fellow that had just had open-heart surgery and was not fully recovered even from that. I was approximately knee-deep. He's much shorter. He was almost hip-deep. We're just standing in the water talking. All of a sudden, boom, riptide takes us out. I mean, that happened so fast. We were over our heads in water, and he can't swim. <clears throat> and he's had surgery, and, and I'm no champion lifeguard at all, not even really a great swimmer. And so... I'm hollering, help, you know, somebody, you know. He couldn't even see anybody. There was nobody on the beach at that time. And Colton begins to drown, and I would grab his wrist and jerk him up so he could get a breath of air. And that's about, and then I'd be paddling and doing this, and oh, my goodness. Finally, finally, after quite a while, a young man comes with a plank and a rope tied to it. He had gathered some people. I guess he heard the hollering. And uh, I said, take Colton, he cannot swim, so he took him. And uh, at that point, I thought, I don't think I can survive till this young guy comes back with this plank with a rope on it. 
And it was interesting, uh, the thought, my wife and son will be good, but my daughter still need me. Lord, I can't die. <laughs> but I had swallowed enough of that salt water that I was not in good shape. This young man came back with the plank and the rope, and he only knew one word, I guess, in English. He said, swim. And I <laughs> man, I was done. I just plopped on this piece of wood, whatever it was, and they started to pull from the shore, and the rope broke. So now, now the guy has to find the rope and retie it. That all took a while. He did, and they took me in. And uh, I'll tell you, I couldn't have survived maybe a few more minutes at the most. And so we've had some interesting experiences together in Sri Lanka. And as soon as I kind of was able to stand up, Colton has then recovered enough. He's standing there preaching to this young guy that rescued us. You need Jesus. We want to see you in heaven someday. You know, he's like this. Oh, my. So that began a very, very personal and deep relationship with not only Colton and his wife, but their three sons. Colton is now with the Lord and his wife. The sons are now the key men in that work, along with a lot of other people. And so I was able to spend time with them. And Iran, one of their sons, has been very much in the government of the country. In fact, over the last decade, I would say, he's been in major uh, places within the government to help them financially. Right now, because the party that he was with is out of favor, uh, he's out of a job in a sense, but still uh, he has great influence that way. And so pray for him because that country has enormous financial crisis. They have 30 to 60 days of money left. That's it. And then they're going to have big, big problems, maybe chaos on top of it. So pray for Sri Lanka in that. The other son, Deshan, is the one that has the anointing as the pastor leader of their church and the work in general. And he and I have become very good friends. Uh, we were able to minister together. Um, he asked tremendous questions of me. How should we continue with the COVID situation, with the local persecution? Do you have a word of the Lord? You know, when you go, Pastor, to Peru, wherever God puts any of you right here in this city, there are people that need a word from the Lord. Everything can't and shouldn't happen here because there's great need out there, as you know. Some of your friends and relatives and neighbors, total strangers. I believe God is up to something special. In my, I started preaching at 14 on a street corner, okay? I've never seen the like of this. The increased desperation almost in some people. Hunger for the Lord and his word a desire to meet God in some people's lives. And then, as the Lord moves, how they respond to that and the benefits and the blessings that come from it. So there are people all around you that need the Jesus in you. So I want you to think about that in this week ahead. What is God up to in your life. I know what he's up to in my life, and it's wonderful. It's great. And God can use you just as significantly. See, the numbers are not the issue. The issue is obedience. You may minister to, over a period of time, 16 people where I might minister to 10 or 20,000. That's not the issue. The issue is your obedience to who God has made you to be, the call in your life, and everybody has a calling. It may be in music. It may be in another area of finance. Are you moving in the power of the Holy Spirit that we believe in? This church believes that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. They've not been zapped out somehow. 
to show you how some groups think on that, when we were just first beginning in Peru, the only Bible bookstore was one of a denominational group, and I went to see if they had something just on basic doctrines, and I, they lady at there showed me the book. They had taken a razor blade and cut out everything that talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, healing, miracles, cut out. And I said to the girl, I said, uh, does your group do this to the scriptures too? <laughs> but, you know, I shouldn't have probably said that. But, but wow, we believe in the full gospel, in everything that's in the book. It's not only salvation and water baptism and communion, but it is all of what God has for us. Why would you want to limit, why would anybody want to limit the power of God through the gifts, faith, healing, miracles, wisdom, discernment? You see how, what a great blessing that can be. Something's up. Now, I want us to look at just a few scriptures uh, first of all, let's look at first, 2 Corinthians 5.20. 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are Christ ambassadors as though we're making, as though God were making his appeal through us. Christ ambassadors as though God is making his appeal through us. That is phenomenal. And it's so true. The Lord is making his appeal to the world through the believers. At this point, I don't know too many testimonies where an animal was used that way or a tree. God uses people. God's purpose is a man or a woman or a young person. He's making his appeal. And then in 2 Thessalonians 1.11, God is calling by his power, look at this, that he may fulfill, I love this, every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Now, of course, we can debate how all that works. I very much believe in both the free will of man and the sovereignty of God both. But, hmm, every good purpose of yours, not just me or the elders, but you, think about that. And every act prompted by your faith. Now, where did that originally generate from? Well, we had to come to know Christ as Savior. Then we start obeying maybe in little increments and then we see, hmm, here are needy people. Here are hungry people. Here are sick people. Here are mentally impaired people. And every act of yours whew, prompted by your faith. Now, where did the faith come from? Where did the desire to help people like that come from? It shouldn't come from the devil. <laughs> He's the one tearing everything down. And it certainly doesn't come out of a selfish heart. It comes, the Lord puts something in there, but it's like a seed that has to germinate and, and grow and develop. And then all of a sudden, you see the opportunity. God puts it right in front of you. Well, then it's up to you to obey, to respond. I love that. Every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Something's up. There is a greater anointing, a greater move of God today, and I'm seeing it in place and region after region, church after church, in the States and around the world. So it's your choice. You can just live life the way you've been living it or say, Lord, if there's something else, if there's another plane that you want to bring me up to for your purpose, not for selfishness, but for your purpose, with some of this extra money that's coming in, I'm now able to say, let's bring in all the ministers in the next conference, even the ones in the furthest outlying regions. And, and one brother said to me, well, oh, brother, 
Uh, this conference, I, I think the total that we invested there was 12,000 some dollars. He said, well, if we do that next year, it, it'll be $18,000. I said, well, let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> do you have faith to do the impossible? Please don't be afraid, please. So many people are living in fear because of the economy or COVID or whatever. I've coined this phrase, and I hope you will remember it, in the will of God, underline the first part, in the will of God, you are invincible until God says you're expendable. It's a pretty good deal. Now, sometimes God does expend lives. But in the will of God, you're invincible until God says you're expendable. People said to me, why, you're 80, what are you doing? Retire, take it easy, go fishing. Why, you know, what, what? When the needs are there, when the anointing is there, the strength is there, the finance is there, the invites are there, the results are there, and I stay home? It's no thank you. Whew. In the will of God, you are invincible until God says you're expendable. Now, if you're going to go out and sell drugs and take drugs and rob banks, well, that's not the will of God, sorry. <laughs> that's sin. But if you are living in the will of God, you're invincible until God says you're expendable. So that should eliminate fear totally, completely in your lives. I'm going to tell you something I don't know I've ever told publicly, but I think Hopefully, you'll take this the right way. When I was a teenager, I was a part of Youth for Christ in our high school. And uh, somehow I got to be president of the thing, and we did what we could to win souls. And, and this was the time, 1960, 59 and 60, when everything was changing in high schools, big time, negatively. But we were able to do some significant things and saw some of the class come to the Lord. Hmm. Somehow they had a big contest thing, Youth for Christ, and they wanted trio, girls trios, they wanted a male song leader, they wanted a preacher, they wanted uh, people that were skilled with different instruments. And so some of us did that, and you know, you had to be chosen from your particular group, and then you went to the regional thing and then the state thing. So I kept winning as the preacher and then we wound up in Ocean City, New Jersey and that was the finale thing and they had kids, Youth for Christ groups come from all over the East Coast there. And uh, it was interesting, I, I ministered and, and I knew the guy that was gonna win. He was just, he was superb. I came in second of, I don't know, 30 or 40, but this, this guy was great. But you know, when I was sitting there listening to different ones, the Lord gave me a scripture. And I, it, it was in the pier, Ocean City, New Jersey. I know exactly where I was sitting. I showed my wife and some of my kids over the years. And God gave me this verse, and he did something in me. Maybe I should read that for you. Maybe it'll help some of you. Turn with me to... Uh, Deuteronomy 31, and I'll read for you verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. <laughs> for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Boom. God wants to impart to you whatever you need to do his will for your life. You may be a school teacher. You may be somebody that has the gift of making money. Wouldn't that be great, Pastor, if the Lord raised up a couple of people in this church to be divine bankers? You have the ability to make money. <laughs> and then you can give beyond the tithe and start pouring greater amounts of money into this church to do all the things that God directs this church to do. And by the way, it does cost money to do this stuff. <laughs> it does.
does. And so God wants to also raise up those that are gifted musically, those that are gifted in office work, those that are gifted mechanically. I am a mechanical disaster. I don't have a good voice. I can't play instruments. I remember my uncle trying to teach me the trumpet as a little kid. And after the second lesson, Bob said to me, Billy, this isn't working. <laughs> and he put the trumpet down. He said, this is over. <laughs> it's okay not to have a talent in something. You don't have to be everything. That's why we have body ministry. God is calling some of you that are sitting here wondering, well, what is the big purpose of God in my life? Find out what it is. Go to the Lord in prayer if you don't know, if it isn't obvious. And yes, there may be a prophecy, there may be a word of the Lord coming from some of the leaders. That's good. Those things, those prophecies, those words should be to stir you to seek God or to confirm what you already know. Because if you start doing something in God and you're going on his prophecy, when going gets rough, you're going to say, well, he was wrong. <laughs> But when you know in your heart and he confirmed it, whew, that's powerful. See? It's very quiet now. And that's because many of you know that you have a gift, a talent, a call in a certain area. And you're going to have to step up. What's up with God? He's looking for the people that will step up to another level in him. He wants that of you today. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. I'm going to say this now, and you can believe it or not. God took fear out of my heart that day. Boom. It was like a done deal. I have had to face people in the jungle that wanted to kill me, that tried, that they were going to do it with machetes. They could have done it. I've had near drowning experiences. I've had places where the airplane landing in India once, and on the takeoff, they had blown the tires on this big jet. The rubber was gone. And so they were foaming the strip, which was then called Madras, now it's called Chennai, and we had to circle while they foamed the strip. And it was one of those deals when the plane landed, man, you could hear it and the sparks are flying, you know. <laughs> and then you got off the airplane and walked down. They didn't have the other things. And you could look and see it was bare metal, three different tires on a big jet. Wow. Okay. God can take fear out of your heart, fear of COVID, fear of people, fear of governments, fear of whatever, fear of, of false stuff. He can do that, but you have to come to him and let him do it. And then walk with the Lord in joy and in faith. Okay, Isaiah 14. Turn with me there, Isaiah 14. Now, yes, this was a prophecy against Assyria in the beginning, but then it turns into something else. Verse 24. Surely as I have planned, so it will be. This is the Lord speaking. And as I have purposed, so it will stand. All right. Now let's look at the bigger picture, verse 26. This is the plan determined for the whole world. That had nothing to do with the Assyrians. This is God speaking now in a powerful way. This is the plan determined for the whole world. This is the hand stretched out over all nations. For the Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can thwart him? Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. So God really is in charge. God really is all-powerful. And the last verse in Psalm 96, verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. I believe you don't have to be a missionary to do that. Any one of you could be on a team overseas. Any one of you could be on a team right here in this city with its needs, because this is one of God's nations. 
Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. When you lift up who the Lord is, when you lift up what he has done, when you lift up his name, powerful things happen. I mean, amazing things happen. Miracles take place. Healings take place. But you got to think sometimes out of the box. One of my great experiences with Colton in Sri Lanka, he said to me, Brother Pepper, we're going to the south part of the city here. We're trying to get a church going. And we, we have a, we would call it soccer field. They call it football field. And it's just, you know, open area. And they, they had a little wooden platform area that we stood on. He said, now you preach salvation, and then when you're done, I'll talk to the people. So I did. I don't know. We might have had 300 standing. There was no chairs. But he had his Timotheans along. About two-thirds of the Timotheans are women, and they're shorter people. And so at the end, after we had led people to the Lord, and the Timotheans had talked with them and gotten names and addresses and all of that, encouraged them to come to church, then Colton gets up. This was a first for me, and said, now, those of you standing here that are demon-possessed, come forward. <laughs> Whoa, I was in Bible school that day, brother. <laughs> I'd never seen that before. All you demon so they came. Most of them were men, and I mean, some of them, just by looking, you knew they were possessed. Others were trying to hide it, I think, but a good number came forward. And he said, now you're going to have to, if you want to be delivered, do what I tell you. At that point, the Timotheans pulled out from underneath the platform pieces of carpet about that wide. They laid them out, and then the demon-possessed person was laid down on it, and they rolled them up so only a head and feet stuck out. Why? Because many times when the possessed are set free, they become violent, you know, in the process. And they're flaying and bashing and trying to do whatever. And so they're rolled up. They can't do anything. And then these Timotheans, a couple of them got down and laid hands on their head. A couple of them laid hands on their feet. And I mean, after 10, 15 minutes of prayer, they rolled them out and they got up, delivered. I learned something that day. Now, the rest of the story behind that, those Timotheans had fasted and prayed. They came prepared to see deliverance. And they knew what deliverance was. Are you willing to step up to what God is asking you? Stand with me right now. I want to pray with you. God's up to something. It's your choice. You can have life the same, or you can move on in a great purpose of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these people, this church, what it has done and stood for for nearly 100 years, and since I have known it in, in the uh, early 1960s, I thank you for their love and giving, for their monthly support, for their uh, special offering that they gave this year uh, to us to further the work. I thank you for the anointed prayer that I know comes from these people. But now, Lord, I pray for them in this church. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would guide Pastor Dave Freer, the elders, guide them so that they may be directing this church perfectly in your will into whatever new area may come along. If it means that they have to step up their faith, so be it. If it means that they move in areas that they have not moved in frequently, so be it. 
But Lord, we will give you now all the praise and all the glory, 100%, not only for what you have done through the ministry of this church and its people, not just the, the elders, but the people. We thank you for that. But Lord, we look forward now to what is coming in this new day. Enough about the two years of COVID. This is now a new day. God, you're up to something. Help us to know what that is and how we can move in that. Father, I pray that your anointing would flow in an easier and more prolific and more profound way than it ever has through the lives of this church. Father, I pray that they can be bringing them in here for deliverance. I pray that even when there's a home meeting or some special uh, meeting or place or whatever, that you would be there. Your presence, your manifest presence would be so overwhelming, even the worst of sinners would have to know God is in this place. Lord, I pray that the love of Jesus can so flow out from these people to the needy, to the hurting, to the possessed, to the unsaved, to those that are bound up in legalism, to those that have no idea what it means to serve you. Lord, let their lives, let the word of God, let the anointing flow through them in Jesus' name. Let nothing hinder that. Let nothing stop that. Satan, we come against you in Jesus' name. Lord, in Jesus' name now, move mightily through this church and this people. Father, we look forward to what you're going to do. We wait eagerly for the testimonies. Lord, I pray that none of the people here would become weird and strange and flaky, because if they're like that, then the elders have to deflake the flakes. I pray that the people will hear from you and do what is right. And if an elder or a pastor here speaks into their lives a hard word, a heavy word, a corrective word, they will receive that as quickly as they receive the word of blessing and encouragement because we all need that from time to time. So, Lord, if there are plows here that need cleaned, if there are hearts that need convicted, then do it in Jesus' name. And bring this church together with greater power and zeal than it's ever had. COVID is not the issue here. The issue is our obedience to your will. And when we do that, then not some things, not most things, all things are possible. So bless Living Word Community in every aspect. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. When you pick that pepper shaker up, pray for the old man. <laughs>